Welcome to General Depravity. Dear friends, every once in a while, there's just a band, an album. Bob Dylan had it with Highway 61 Revisited. Marvin Gaye had his, um, What's Going On? The Beatles had Abbey Road. The Rolling Stones, well, they didn't really have nothing. Pink Floyd had Dark Side of the Moon. Miles Davis uh, had Kind of Blue. The list goes on and on and on. And, uh, and somewhere between then and now, the band Papa Roach released their masterpiece, Infest. Do you remember where you were when you first heard Papa Roach? Was it like the, the World Trade Center bombings and uh, the Kennedy assassination? I mean, this is how it all began. Hear this. I mean, I know you can hear it, but can you really hear it? Can you feel it? I don't think you can. I, I think you need a refined palate to enjoy this type of music. Not just any amateur, beginner, freshman, you know college student with a chip on his shoulder. You had to, you have to be through stuff in life. You gotta get beaten down in order to appreciate the beauty involved here. I mean this record is so magnificent. If it were up to me and I had to make the call, I had to make the decision to say Save the Statue of David or this record. I would toss a time bomb over the glass and blow David's tiny dick off because Michelangelo had nothing on Jacoby Shaddix. His name was Jacob or, or, or in this case Jacoby. I mean, his name ended with a Y, even though the common, you know, biblical name was Jacob. But he added his own spin, I assume. Either that or he, he had a unique mother who instilled certain values into him, which is why he had a unique name. And, and then where he gets his talent from is obvious. Shaddix. What a name. It's like Shadows... And dicks. It's it's a phallic reference. And for an alpha male like Jacoby, it really makes sense. I mean, you you hear a name like that, and uh, 
it just conjures a certain imagery. Like you hear it and you bow to the presence of Jacoby, masterful musician. I mean, have you seen the video? Do you think that that kind of emotion can be faked? Do you think he would lock his fingers together and point it at his head in some sort of ironic gesture? This guy feels the pain, the torment, the turmoil of self-hate and suicide in his every breath. You, you, you just can't fake the sincerity. And every song, front to back, I mean... Let me just read the song titles. Infest. Last Resort. Broken Home. Dead Cell. Between Angels and Insects. Blood Brothers. Revenge. Snakes. Never Enough. Binge. And, and how do you end it? With a bit of a, a self-effacing comment. Track 11. Thrown Away. It's a commentary. It's a meta-commentary. He's saying, take me or leave me. Throw this album away if you'd like. There's no room for judgment here. I am what I am. Accept me, your papa, Roach. And, uh, and, and I'm skipping song uh, number two. We're going to switch it around and just go like randomly. This one's called Dead Cell. Wow, amazing. This is this is a new metal that's on another level, of a different order. This is the best new metal band since Rage Against the Machine, easily. Um But you I know that there's a lot of criticism of people who don't see the light. People with their nonsensical inability to grasp the dark side of the human psyche. You know, Nietzsche spoke of certain ideologies and he spoke kindly of music. And uh, he basically implied anyone who wasn't swayed by music had basically a dead heart, a dead soul. And is that what you get when you listen? to Papa Roach no you get his idealized version this is this is Beethoven in mascara and his tattoos of which he has many this is a sincerity you can't fake who's going to spend their life day after day doing what doing the equivalent of taking a rusty razor blade and passing it over and over every every free inch of their body they made a statement they were dedicated they didn't ascribe to the typical ideas of life they fled far away from that they turned their backs on that Walmart job and said I'm gonna get a teardrop tattooed on my cheekbone 
That's a statement. That's uncommon. That's true rebellion. Not these scientists with microscopes trying to quote-unquote save the world. It's the ones who live on the edge every day. Just like on the edge of that needle that's carving into every inch of his skin as we bring about between angels and insects. It's like he has a soft side too. Jesus, this is good. Like, Hendrix would say, I'm going to come up to the side of the mountain and cut it off with the edge of my hand. Well, these guys, they deal with their mind. They are the mountain edge. They're on top of the mountain. And driving down through it with some sort of human drill technology and shattering everything around them, including the earth itself. With these heavy riffs. And if, you, if you're if you not a musician, you don't know how complex and hard and difficult all of this music is. I mean, if, if you, maybe if you go to London for 30 years, you can play one of these songs correctly once in your entire time there. And I'm talking about the best school worldwide for music, and they all exist in Europe. But these are homegrown musical athletes. Undeniable talent. And when I hear this, that's that's all that I hear. Oh, let's switch it up. Let's go with uh, Blood Brothers, one of my favorites. You know what this song says to me? Friendship. Sorry if I'm not talking so much, I'm just jamming. My head is going crazy right now. Man, this music is so insane. If you took it to a psychiatric ward and, you know, you got some crazy people and you put some Audio-Technica headphones on them and you made them listen to this, they would no longer be insane. They would be sane. That's how insane this music is. That's what it does to you. This music is like... Like the King's Speech, that movie... When he, he stutters, but when he puts the headphones on, he doesn't, because he doesn't realize it's all in his head. This is so insane that it makes the insane sane. And he's talking about the, you know, the dark side of the human nature thing. He's a... This is not some shallow guy. 
This is a man who thinks all day. This is a man who owns seven libraries of books. And he can tell you any word on any page of any one of those books. I mean, I don't know that for a fact. I like to keep the mystique. Because this is so far above and beyond any other type of sound I've heard. I don't want to destroy the beauty. It's like the ending credits of a Jackie Chan film. You're not going to watch how he does his stunts. That's going to kill the magic. Some people want to believe. And that's the impression I get. And I want to believe. And I hear it. And it's just like like an arrow through my um, pineal gland. Decalcifying it. Enlightening me. And, and I'm, rock, I'm rocking out to this right now, like in that video game Lemmings, you know, when their heads would explode, you know, you're trying to create a crater, you know, with their green hair, and just like all the rebellious teenagers who listen to this, who I greatly admire, um, I too have green hair, not, not physically, but I self-identify as a green-haired man. And and I just want to pledge allegiance to anyone, the outsiders, the misfits, the freaks. And, and what better way to do that than with revenge? Revenge. song is probably dedicated to all the preps with their Abercrombie and Fitch Fisherware and their tech vest. Why do they have tech vests? I mean, they don't even keep your arms warm. Because they're phonies. But my nails are black. And you might think, well, that's phony too, but it's not. It's to match the color of my soul. Snakes. Look, I don't have time or the copyright to listen to every song here. I mean, again, this is just a call to rebellion. The midsection here. Whoa. I would take a piss on the legacy and discography of the Jesus Lizard. Because this midsection is better than anything Steve Albini ever produced. The linguistics. Noam Chomsky studies language, but he would be just bound by confusion listening to this. 
He doesn't know what language is truly capable of because he hasn't listened to this record. He's too busy helping people in South like South America, South Africa. He's too busy gnoming around. Now let's bring it to the end. So the album comes to an end with an obvious inspiration by Jonathan Davis, who I'll admit laid a lot of the groundwork for bands like these, but he never saw it coming, and there's a reason why he retired from music shortly after this album was um, debuted, was released. He went to he went on to become a spokesperson for Adidas because he hated the fact that he knew he could never create an album to challenge this one. So it was similar to Pet Sounds and the <coughs> Pet Sounds and the um, the Abbey uh, the Sgt. Pepper record. Brian Wilson went insane when he heard that album. They had been topped in every way. He lost his mind. And this was really the high point of music. Not even Papa Roach themselves ever came close to the mastery uh, depicted on this record. Worldwide. I mean, a lot of people want to think that it was, you know, illegal downloading, internet, um, sort of convoluting the structure of the music industry. But really, this album came out at the same time. Coincidence? Again, and if you're not musically minded, musically oriented, if you don't have that sort of... If you don't have music blood in your veins, then you don't know. You're not in the know. You don't know what this album means to people. Of all ages. 15, 18, all the way down to whatever, 27... It's the youth spirit music. And this song goes on and on for 9 minutes and 38 seconds. Revolutionary length, by the way. And no one has done that before, especially not at the end of an album. They wanted a finality to it. But if you think that's where I'm going to end this recording, you're mistaken. There's another, there's another one. I purposely avoided, I purposely saved the best for last, a song you may have seen the music video for. This man, the intensity he displays on this song, about one of the most pertinent and heavy topics known to man, suicide. This one is called Last Resort. This is my last resort! 
Whoa, sorry, sorry. Oh, wow. I wasn't talking because I, I, I was like, I entered a dream where I was riding through space on a rocket, like, at, at the speed of light, I believe. I don't know how I knew it was the speed of light, but I was just going through space at that speed. All thanks to what this music does. This is music you can blame your parents to, because we all know the importance of genetics and environment and molding us as human beings. And you listen to it and you just think, Whew, this is it. This is the explanation for my life's problems. And, and when you first hear it, when you're, you know, 12 or so, and every year after that you go back, you revisit you don't listen to it every day, but perhaps every other weekend. And it takes you to a place, a place in your mind. You never forget. You, it takes you there. And it's like you're weightless. You levitate. You levitate without meditating. So you think that this is over? But you are all wrong. You see, what we have here is, uh, we had our fun, we had our fun and games, and we got to enjoy and revel in the a great musical talent of our time. And I understand not everyone's going to agree. But not everyone is musically educated. Uh, but if you, if you do agree, still, the time for fun is over. Because there's another issue i got to address. This song, Last Resort, was one of the most popular of its kind. A song about the heavy topic of um, human suicide that was released um, in the um, the late nineties or whatever it was, uh, and what we forget about this, and I'm and, and again I'm sorry to get serious all of a sudden, but you got to imagine. 
the level of depth and conviction uh, Jacob E. Shaddix had. I mean, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's predestined just to be born with a name like that. You have destiny written before you. You see it like a like a war, like a wormhole into the near future. And um, and I and I often think about it. Jacoby, our hero, our savior, was one night. He was just stuck alone in his home. He was probably in his basement. He was from a broken home, if which you know if you've listened to the song uh, "Broken Home." He was just in there, and probably in his basement. He was of a broken family, and one night he just reached his boiling point. He couldn't take it anymore, and he thought about suicide for real but before he decided to go he had one last idea you know what that was to pick up a pen and he wrote down these words he wrote cut my life into pieces and then he thought for a while he tapped the pen against his temple and he looked at the paper and a tear dropped from his eye and wetted it and uh, his words reeked of this suicidal imagery and he thought honestly at that moment this is my last resort and he took a deep breath and he wrote suffocation and then he wrote no breathing and then the words became easier don't give a fuck if i cut my arm bleeding and with that final line it, it's he had the first verse uh completed and he had an epiphany he had a meaning and purpose in his life finally crystallized he finally had an outlet and people out there who would speak ill of Papa Roach deride his honesty in words. And he was just a man, a suicidal sad man who never had any chance to be anything or anyone but himself. It was his last resort, to be honest, folks. He wouldn't say it if it weren't true. Without it, he'd be dead. And people are just going to sit around and mock this music. But that's the true sign of every revolutionary act in history. There's always people who are contentious and they revolt against it because they don't understand it. It, helped, it happened with Elvis, N.W.A. and, you know, Roach. Would you even care if he died bleeding? <clears throat> Think about it. If I took my life tonight, chances are that I might. Mutilation out of sight, and I'm contemplating suicide. This man reiterates his desire to kill himself four times within the bridge of a song 
that was on Total Request Live, Carson Daly, top charts of all music. And society put him on television. He should have been on Suicide Watch. This was a troubled man. Very on the edge, but he worked through his issues. He never lost sight. His mind. And he just wished someone would tell him he's fine. Why? Because he wasn't. He named himself Papa Roach because his self-esteem was so low. I mean, to me, that's something only like uh, a self-loathing person could come up with. And uh, you can say, you know, well, he had millions of dollars and uh, all these women, but uh, think about it. The wealth that he gained from his great successful music just probably alienated him from society more. I mean, with all the juvenile people out there who misunderstood his music, and, you know, he had a career unintentionally pandering to unattractive teenagers who were too sexually immature for him to sleep with. So he didn't necessarily have it all. So, I don't know. Um, basically, as he said, nothing's all right. What do you think it means? It's not Latin. It doesn't mean bully him further and call him false metal. He he was to a point where he didn't even want to exist anymore. And I know I'm sort of losing sight of the the Papa Roach spirit of overcoming right now, but I mean for all the shit that band got would you be happy if Jacoby Shaddix, with his mascara and his suicide boy tattoos and spiky gelled hair, if he actually went through with a deed and took his life, would you be happy then? Would you laugh out loud? What would you say if you saw his father? And all of this started when he lost his mother. Which stems from, you know, his lack of his love for himself and his love for any other. So, you know, and he might have claimed at some point that the song wasn't really about him. It was about his friend who was suicidal. And he wrote this song in remembrance of his friend. But really, we know it was a personal song about him because you can't fake these emotions. You can hear his suicidality when he sings... I can't go on living this way. I mean, see see how I just tried and it didn't sound honest. But he does it and you can you can feel the realness. You know, his his tattoos are not an act. You're not going to fake $700,000 worth of tattoos. I mean, if he weren't a genuine man, why would have he gotten, like, tattoos with deep personal significance all over his body? At, at just so much financial and physical expense, because it's not just money. 
I mean, the pain must have been intense. His tattoos, but they subdued an even greater pain inside. So, again, there's nothing negative I can say other than I wish that video really did have a uh, perhaps a suicide hotline number at the end that you can you can have young folks who are, are inspired by the um, the modern Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart uh, sound of Jacob and Papa. And uh, let's not forget about his other his other work, where he cut his heart open just to feel. I mean, if you are have a popular song and you write, "I cut my heart open just to feel," don't you think you're sort of um, being very open and honest about your emotions? That's what you're really talking about. So. He's just a man yearning for acceptance, and and right now I'm going to play that that part of the tune, this tune I love so much, Last Resort, where uh, it's after the it's before the last chorus, where he's speaking close to the microphone, whispering, and you tell me that's not the actual pain being confused and hurt by existence and not knowing if you should go on or not. Oh, here we go, here we go. crying he was holding on by a thread all this time in the public eye you think that faith and wealth and drugs and sex did him any good of course not why do you think he's still doing it day in and day out and what do you end with when you leave, when you're thrown away, when you're left behind, when you're left? All that remains is the outro to this song. All that remains, this song, this, you get the picture. All that remains are the scars. He cares too much. Past is not a joke.
Nothing's all right.